Good morning, church. How are you all doing this morning? Are you blessed? Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet just for a minute. And uh, I'm going to read out a scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's not on the screen, so just I'm going to invite you to just declare it after me. So one, two, three, you follow me. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Say, I'm a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Say, I'm walking in my new life. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Do you believe that this morning? Come on, give the Lord a good praise and then you can be seated. You may take your seats, but leave them in the auditorium, please. So good to be with you today, and uh, we are so grateful for the power of God's Word, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, because without Him, we are nothing. Can you say amen? Now, don't forget, we are on the Version Bible app, and so if you'd like to follow, the scriptures are there, some of the notes, and you can take your own notes as we do that. I wanted to just say this, because I discovered when I went to small group on Wednesday, that many of our small groups don't realize that your small groups are live on the Version Bible app, so you don't have to print copies of your teaching for everyone, they can just go onto the Version Bible app and follow the teaching notes. We upload the devotional every week. And look at the person next to you and say, you need to be in a small group. It's the best place to be on a Wednesday night. Well, today uh, we're going to finish our series called From Old to New. And so we want to just conclude. We're talking about five things we can do to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, bringing us into union with God as we experience His sovereignty. And uh, last week we were talking about providential relationships. We want to wrap that up and then we'll talk about our circumstances. Now, one of the ways God helps us as individuals to discover our purpose and receive help in our lives is through people. God uses people. Can you say amen? And God wants to use you in your relationships to be a divine connection. And so we've been talking about providential relationships. And we said last week that we mustn't pursue all our time and put all our time into finding our divine connections. What we must focus on is becoming a divine connection. Let God make you the divine connection that he uses to help people get where they need to be going. And so we were looking at five things that we can and some things that we mustn't do if we're going to be those divine connections. Now, last week we spoke about the first two. We said, number one, remember, gossip destroys. So if you want to be a divine connection person, you've got to learn to keep your tongue and make sure you speak the right things, speak God's word. Number two, we said, love covers. How you know, the unconditional love of God covers a multitude of sin. So when we learn to walk in love in our lives, it brings God's favor into every equation and every relationship. Number three, we're going to finish these this morning. Number three, the third thing that helps me to be a divine connection is this. We need to realize today that unreliable friends bring ruin in our lives. So in other words, become a reliable person. Become a person of integrity. And so here in Proverbs 18.24, it says, one who has, an un- one who has unreliable friends 
soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Isn't that amazing? That God can make you a friend to someone that would be even closer than their brother or sister. Now, this is a very interesting uh, scripture because if you read uh, through different interpretations, there are probably about five or six interpretations of this verse. And so we find that the RSV reads like this. It says, there are friends who pretend to be friends, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In other words, it presents a contrast between those fair-weather friends who are only there for the good times and those true friends that are there all the time. And he's saying, become one of those friends. Be one of those reliable people that God can use. What I love about all these varied interpretations is they all agree on the last sentence. It says this, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We need those friends in our lives and we need to become those friends. Uh, Another scripture that pops into mind is 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. It says, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good manners. Amen? Bad company corrupts good manners. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 in the King James. And uh, you'll see that any parent will tell you that their children act differently depending on who they hang around with. Here's the truth. Adults should take note. We're the same. And if we let the wrong people influence our lives, their words, their influence will begin to rub off on us. So whether it's for good or bad, the people we hang around are really a big deal in our lives. I could say it like this. When you're distracted by poor relationships, it can cause a disconnection in your life moving into God's purpose for you. So just look at the person next to you. Say, who are you hanging with? All right, number four. The fourth thing that you and I can do or we need to recognize if we're going to be God's divine connectors is number four, you need to realize today that wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Listen to Proverbs 27 verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Or, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Isn't it amazing that you would expect to be kissed by your friend, all right, and wounded by your enemies? And yet this verse says exactly the opposite. And he's wanting to bring out a very important principle in someone's life who's connected to God and determined to become everything God can call them to be. And and this is it. When your friends are real friends, you can trust them to bring correction, to bring criticism, and to bring clarity into your life because the wounds of a friend are faithful. Now, how many know no wounds are pleasant, but sometimes they're important? Mandy and I have had some conversations in our lives with each other along our journey that weren't comfortable conversations, but they were important ones. Amen? Because they steered us, and and while they might have wounded us in the moment, they steered us towards where God wants us to be. Because you see, when a friend really loves you, they not only see the best in you, they also recognize the worst in you, and they found a way to help you grow through that. And that's so important in the church. Can you say amen? To have people in your life, because how many of you know all of us have blind spots? 
All of us have areas where we don't recognize. And so, you know, that's why I appreciate the elders of our church. I appreciate the leaders in our church because sometimes they're the ones that bring information that maybe we can't see. Because we're so busy running the race and doing what we need to do. And while sometimes that can be difficult conversations, they can be powerful Because if you humble yourself and you say, God, how do you want to grow? How do you want to work in my life? I want you to know he will show you. I love what Joyce Meyer said a couple of weeks ago. I was listening to one of her teachings and she went to God and said, God, why isn't my ministry growing? And when are you going to make it bigger? And when are you going to bring in more finances? And when are you going to fulfill your promises? And she got quiet and you know what the Lord said to her? As soon as you start treating your husband properly. A word for some ladies this morning. No, I'm only joking. (laughs) So what was God saying? When you let God work on the inside, he'll take care of the outside. And we might be trusting God for big things, but sometimes there are little things in our lives that God wants us to address, that God wants us to get over, that God wants us to move beyond. And when we deal with them, guess what? The blessing starts to flow. So we've got to accept that we need friends in our lives that aren't just there to pat us on the back and flatter us with words, but will speak the hard things and the truth things that will launch us to become the best we can be. Number five, the fifth one when it comes to providential relationships is this, value others beyond yourself. If you want to be a divine connector, you've got to learn to value others more than yourself. In Philippians 2 verse 3 and 4, It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. Paul appeals here to the example that Jesus gave us in the way he treated other people. How many know he always put other people first? He himself, as the Son of God, walked into the room where he was having a meeting with his followers and he took off his outer robe and he washed their feet and he ministered to them. And when, when Peter said, no, you won't wash my feet, Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter said, well, wash all of me. Because Jesus was demonstrating what it means to put yourself down and to have others in mind. And so I really believe this, that we should make a daily choice to live, although we're sons of God, to live as servants of God towards others. Because you know what? When we set aside our rights, when we set aside our expectations, we put ourselves in a place where God can use us to help other people. And I want you to know, God loves people. Amen? People are God's priority. So I really believe this. When you and I believe in Jesus, and we let his grace influence every area of our lives, You know what happens? We become secure and settled in who we are. We're not shaken and pushed around by every circumstance that comes. And you know what happens? Treating others with love and respect becomes second nature to us. We don't even have to try to do it. It comes automatically because of the grace that is working in our lives. Look at the person next to you. Say you look amazing this morning. Now, Remember, if you're wanting to grow in your relationship with God, if you want to discover your personal ministry, if you want to see the depth of God in your life, remember this, God is going to send divine connections into your life, and they might not be the people that you want. Come on, just smile. 
He'll send people that are what you need for this season in your life. And you've got to learn to recognize that and embrace that. All right, so we're going to move on now into pivotal circumstances. And it dovetails so beautifully. And remember, this was the fifth thing that we can do to cooperate with God in moving in our lives. And I want you to know, circumstances are important in our lives. And we need to recognize that God uses circumstances as a pivotal point to squeeze the best out of us, to take us deeper in our relationship with God and cause our faith to be strong. Now listen, he doesn't send every circumstance. He's not the cause of every problem, but he will use them. Can you say amen? God will use the very thing the enemy tries to use to destroy you. He will use that to lift you up. He will use that to build your life. He will use that to take you to the next level. And what bigger victory than to use the very thing the enemy wants to destroy you with to actually bring you to where you need to be in God. And it's from that context that James wrote, count it all joy, brethren, when you go through various trials. Say, I'm counting it joy. All right, do something you shouldn't do. Just quickly drop your mask and give me a big smile. Okay, put it back quickly, quickly, quickly. Oh, it's so nice to see those smiling faces. One of the things I really loved about wearing masks is I don't have to brush my teeth. So anyway, sorry, I don't know why I'm sharing that with you. Oh, what a horrible thought. All right, so this is what I want to say about circumstances. Listen carefully this morning. Jesus always used circumstances to reveal God's plan, God's heart, and God's character. Can I just check anyone today, you're going through some things? Oh, come on. That's half of you. What are the rest of you doing? How many know we all go through things in our lives? And I want you to know, not only did Jesus use circumstances to reveal God's plan, heart, and character, he also used it to train his followers to be ready for the next thing that he was taking them to. In other words, he wanted them to understand their purpose in his ministry. Because the truth is, every time you have a circumstance, it's an opportunity for you to discover God on a deeper level. It's an opportunity for you to find out what your personal ministry is. And as you develop that, you know what will happen? You will be able to take the territory that God's called you to take. As a matter of fact, Jesus was very intentional because I want you to know he knew the day was coming where he was going to go back to the Father. And he needed a group of people that will carry his mission forward. And here's the good news and the bad news this morning. He did not have a plan B. And he doesn't have a plan B today. You know what it is? Plan A is you and me. We carry Christ. We carry his anointing in our lives. And so let's have a look at a particular circumstance in the Bible and we'll see how pivotal circumstances can actually launch you into the very ministry, the very place where God wants you to be. Sometimes he uses the circumstances just to take you deeper in your relationship with God. And how many know when you're going through it, it ain't no fun? Has anybody been through a bit of a pressing and a crushing lately? How many know it's not fun when you're going through it, but when you get through it, there's a depth of faith and confidence that is unshakable. Hallelujah. Say, I'm going to get there. All right. So have a look at Mark chapter 6 and verses 35 and 36. It says, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place 
and it's already late hour, send them away that they may go into the surrounding countries and villages and buy for themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So here's what you've got to learn today. Whenever you encounter a circumstance, it's an opportunity for you to grow in faith, encounter God's grace, and even experience a miracle. Or sometimes all three. And when you and I realize it, it changes our perspective to what we're going through because we become spiritually alert and in-depth to sense what God is wanting to do in the situation. Let's have a look at this powerful story. You see, often that's not our response. Often we don't respond like, okay, let's see what God's going to teach me. Oh, wow, this is amazing. I've got the worst trial in my life. I'm going to love this. That's not our response, but it can be. When we recognize That no matter what you're going through today, God is with you, God is on your side, and God is working. God is always working. So notice what happened here, and this is the first thing you and I need to do when we face something. Identify the problem. What is the root problem? What is the thing that is driving the circumstance? Because sometimes it's just a circumstance. Sometimes it's driven by the enemy, and we know that it's a test, and the enemy wants to sift us. And sometimes it's a circumstance that has come that God wants to use to develop us to the next level. When you can identify the problem, you position yourself in a place of strength. Now, we know what the problem was in this story, and I'm sure you know which story we're in now. Number one, there was a large crowd. Number two, it was a remote location. And number three, there was no food. So the disciples did well up to that point because they identified what the challenge was. But I want you to know that at this point, you need to see that every miracle begins with a problem. It begins with a challenge. It begins with a circumstance. And you see, if you don't have a problem today, you don't need a miracle. Very quiet. The good news that Jesus has never not been able to solve a problem. And in that circumstance, you will always encounter the goodness and the grace and the favor of God. Can you say amen? Is there anyone here that's been serving God longer than five years, longer than two years, and you've experienced God working in your life in the most incredible ways? Amen. Well, he's not limited. He hasn't stopped. Amen. He's still on the throne. He's still able to do the impossible. And so whatever the problem is today, you become a candidate for an encounter with God. And I tell you what, that's a beautiful place to be. So take a few minutes today, write down a problem. Write down an area of your life where you want to grow in faith and begin to talk to God about it. Begin to pray about it because you know what? You will start to receive grace and wisdom and insight in that area. So let's carry on with our story. We're back into the story. They're out in this remote area. There are thousands of them. Jesus is preaching. The disciples come say, listen, Jesus, we love your ministry. You preach so well, Lord. But here's the thing. You need to finish your service now. Please, can you stop preaching? And let's just close down and let's send everybody away and let them buy their food and they can come back tomorrow. That's basically what it said. But look at Jesus' response. I love it. Verse 37. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. You feed them. And they said to him, 
Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And so you see, sometimes what we want is the quick fix. We want God just to solve all our problems, and God's saying, no, you solve your problem. So what he's actually waiting, what he was waiting for the disciples to do was to take responsibility for the challenge and recognize they did not have the solution and say, Jesus, we need you. And often we have a situation and God is actually waiting for you to take responsibility. Maybe you've got a problem in your marriage. Maybe you've got a challenge with your finances. I want you to know God has already seen the problem. He already recognizes it and he already has the solution, but he's waiting for you to communicate with him, to come to him and say to him, Lord, this is what we're going to do. And so you see, when you begin to wait on God, and you accept responsibility, and you begin to engage with him, you know what happens? God starts to move. But I know, let me say it again, we want the quick fix. Lord, just get me out of this situation, and we look for the quickest way of escape, and very often what we need to do is just take a step back, and just wait on the Lord and see what the Lord wants to do in the situation. Have a look at the disciples quickly. They had a response that I think you and I often have. And we've got to guard against these things when we face circumstances. Number one, the disciples procrastinated. Because it says it was late in the day. And they only came to Jesus. They must have known already from early in the day that Jesus was ministering. There were thousands of people there. And there was going to be a challenge at the end of the day. And so the first thing we learn from this, if we want to use circumstances and overcome them, we mustn't procrastinate. We must be determined to make decisions and to follow through on them. Number two, the second thing they tried to do was pass the buck. And how many of you have tried to pass the buck? God puts his spotlight on you and like, you want to just pass it on. The disciples said to Jesus, just send them away. Let them go buy their own food. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're going to feed them. And you know what? Jesus was aware the whole time what he was going to do because he was never caught by surprise and he never is. And number C, the third thing the disciples did is they became worried. I would have loved to be in a fly on the wall. Oh, there were no walls. They were outdoors. I would have loved to be in a fly on Jesus' forehead right then to see the look on their faces when Jesus said to them, no, you feed them. I tell you what, the anxiety and worry went into overdrive. And we've got to learn today when we face circumstances, you've got to be determined not to allow anxiety and fear to grip you. Joyce Myers says, do it scared. It doesn't mean the fear is not there. You just don't let it control you. And you make a decision because I want you to know today, worry will not do you any good. Worry is designed to take you out and destroy you and bring you down. And so we've got to address that. We've got to say, no, no, I'm not going to try and figure it out. Have any of you ever tried to figure out your circumstance? I do it all the time, and sometimes I get it figured out, and then I think, okay, we've got this. But it never works out that way, does it? Because your reasoning only has limited power. You've got to release that to Christ. You've got to release it to Jesus and say, Lord, I don't know how to solve the circumstance. Or sometimes, I think I know how to solve the circumstance, but I need your wisdom. Amen? And then start moving with the leadership of the Holy Spirit to help you in that situation. So have a look. Jesus now kind of says to him, no, you go feed them. There's this awkward pause. And then look at verse 38. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they came back and said, we have five, five loaves and two fish. 
In John 6, 9, it actually says there was a lad, a young boy here, who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but they are so little among so many. How many of you ever looked at your circumstance and say, man, I only need 100,000 and I've only got 5,000? So little among so much. Amen? In our marriage, in our relationships, we might feel like this is such a big mountain and I've got so little resources. God's not interested in how much you've got. He's got in, are you going to give him what you've got? Are you going to surrender it to him? Because he is the king of multiplication. Amen? As we learn in the story. You see, God always works with what is already in your hand. So often we're looking outward for the solution. But I want to encourage you today. I want to guarantee you today the solution is in you. Because that's where Jesus lives. That's where the Holy Spirit is. And sometimes you've got to surrender the little you have so he can multiply it and make it more. And sometimes it's a decision you make. Sometimes it's an action you take. We've always discovered, Manny and I, sometimes when we're in a financial need, we take the little we have and we sow it as a seed. And what are we doing? We're surrendering that to God and we're trusting him to multiply it. That's exactly what happened in the story. Here's this little boy. And isn't it amazing? Jesus isn't the only hero in the story. Because if Jesus didn't have a little boy that gave him the little he had, he would have nothing to work with. And so sometimes we look at ourselves and we feel small. We feel little. But I want you to know, all God needs you to do is surrender your little and he'll multiply it. He'll increase you. He'll increase it to become that miracle, that encounter, that experience. And so I want to encourage you today, man, never underestimate God. Never underestimate the power of a miracle. Never underestimate the power of the God who works impossible things. So this little lad gave what he had. And he didn't underestimate what God could do in the situation. Although he had limited resources... He knew God could multiply them. And so sometimes what we need to do is just say, God, I don't know what to do, but I am available. I want you to use me. I want to be in the right place at the right time so I can respond in the right manner. And as soon as Jesus recognized this boy, gave him the little he had, he began to multiply it. Have a look at verse 39 and 40. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass, so they sat down in ranks, in hundreds and in fifties. There's an important lesson to learn here, and it is this. A lot of people think Jesus was kind of a airy-fairy, you know, I'm from heaven, I float on the clouds, and I just do whatever I want whenever I want. I want to know Jesus was intentional. Jesus was focused, and Jesus was organized. And sometimes we mistake organization, structure, and boundaries as control. But I want you to know Jesus knew. He said, listen, go sit these people in ranks, in hundreds and in fifties. He wanted to have clarity about what was going because he knew exactly what he was going to do. And so we need to realize that sometimes the people that are leading, the people that are ahead of us already have an idea of what needs to happen, although they might not have the full understanding. We've got to trust God no matter what we're doing. We've got to guard our hearts, and we've got to keep trusting the Lord. You see, Jesus is always one step ahead of you. Amen? He's not, he's not taken by surprise by what you're facing today or where you'll be tomorrow. He's already planned ahead of time what he's going to do. What he needs you to do is to trust and rest in that. 
And then you'll start to see God's miracle power working in a big way. So we read on in in Mark chapter 6, verse 41. It says, And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he blessed it, and he broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all, so they all ate and were filled. Isn't that a beautiful story? Not one of them left there not feeling like they were fed. Why? Because God's abundance and God's supply always outlasts and outreaches the demand that the world or the circumstances are putting on us. He's always bigger, amen? And he's always able to do what he needs to do. That's why you can always be hopeful and expectant when you trust Jesus. He specializes in all things impossible. As a matter of fact, when you look at your circumstance and you look at your situation and it looks impossible, and you might even say, man, this is impossible, just be quiet for a second and you'll sense there's a smile from heaven. Because God stops and he says, watch this. Watch what I'm going to do in Larry's life. Watch what I'm going to do in this situation. Watch what I'm going to do in that church. Why? Because he's a God who specializes in the impossible. We read on in in, in Mark 6. It says in verse 41, And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000. And that tells you and I, no matter how big your problem is, God is able to to handle it. Amen. He is not limited. He's not worried about your circumstance. What he needs you to do is position yourself and start to take hold of your new vision, of your new purpose. Step into the river and watch God split the sea. Take that step of faith and believe the Lord because he will do it. Have a look at Matthew 19 verse 26 with me. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God... Say it with me. With God, all things are possible. Close your eyes for a second. Just picture whatever your challenge is right now, whatever your circumstance, whatever storm you're facing, whatever mountain is in front of you. And now, with your eyes closed, declare this with me. All things are possible with Christ. One, two, three. All things are possible with Christ. Can you say amen? Picture yourself going over that mountain, going through that storm, having victory in that circumstance. Can you say amen? And here's what I want to say to you today, church. Keep moving forward. Keep holding on to God's plan for your life. Don't let go of the vision. Don't let go of the dream. Don't let go of what it is God's put in your heart today just because the storm's blowing. I want you to know the storm will go and you'll move forward. Say, I'm going forward this morning. You know, if you go study the Bible... From Genesis all the way to Revelation, you'll find hundreds of stories of people that encountered circumstances, storms, mountains, challenges, giants, problems, circumstance, wars, rumors of wars. And how many of you know out of every single one of them, God delivered them? God has not lost a battle. Amen. And he's not going to lose one now. Amen. God is for us today. God is on our side. And I want you to know you'll see that every single one of them ended in victory through Christ. As you launch out, declare today, God, I want you to use me. I want to be a testimony to your goodness. Say it with me. Say, I want God to use me. And as he begins his work in you, I want you to know there's three promises I want to give you today from the book of Joshua. 
that you can apply and you can make yours today no matter what you're facing. Have a look at verses 5 to 6. It says, No one shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. He has the three things. Number one, God promises to give you the strength you need. Amen? If you'll stay in the word, if you'll stay in fellowship with the Lord, if you'll exercise what you know you need to exercise in obedience, which is your personal ministry, if you'll just stay faithful, listen to me today, God will give you the strength you need. You get up tomorrow and you start taking the step, God will give you the strength to keep stepping forward. It's a promise that he's made to his people. Number two, the second promise we get here from Joshua chapter one, verse five and six is I want you to know God promises that you will be successful. Say, I'm successful this morning. Amen. God is about to release a level of success in your life that you've never imagined was true. All you've got to do is believe him and take what you have and surrender it to him. Say, I'm going to be successful. God said to Joshua, if you'll spend time in my word, if you'll let your word become real to me, if you'll start understanding that word and speaking it out, you will be successful. Number three, the third promise God gives you from Joshua 1 this morning is that he will support you. He'll be your support. He'll be your strengthener and he will support you. He said this to Joshua, wherever you go, wherever your feet tread, I will be with you. Say it with me, say, God is with me. I'm full of joy and peace because God is on my side today. Hallelujah. So I want you to know if you'd like to be wise, if you'd like to be successful, if you want God to strengthen you, then I want you to know respond to his word today. Respond to his spirit today. And I want you to know the more you identify with Christ, the more grace is released into your life. The more grace that is released into your life, the more you become established in your new identity. And the more you're established in your new identity, the more of his newness will flow out of your life. Say this with me. Say, I'm brand new. All right, so we're going to close this morning, all right? We've spoken now about five things that help us to connect and identify and cooperate with God as his grace unfolds through his sovereignty. So let me just give them to you one more time. The five Ps. Number one, practice the word. Overcome defeat by spending time in the word daily. That's how you speak and that's how you build your life. Number two, private discipline. Build your secret place. Spend time with God every day. It's a simple thing, but it's one of the most powerful things any believer can do. Spend time with Jesus. Build your secret place through prayer and through worship. Number three, remember you have a personal ministry. You have things that God wants you to accomplish in your life that he wants to do through you. So take a step of faith today. Where are you volunteering in the church? Where are you sowing your seed in the community? Where are you making a difference in your life? Step into your personal ministry, and I want you to know you'll see your gift begin to flourish, and you'll find yourself stepping into a new level of success because God wants to use every single one of us. Number four, remember the power of providential relationships. Be aware today of divine connections. Respect your divine connections and honor them. And most of all, be a divine connection. Be a divine connection for someone else in your life. And then finally, 
pivotal circumstances. Remember, God uses every circumstance to take you deeper so that you can experience his plan, his character, and the miracles that he wants to perform in your life. Amen? So I want to close today with Ephesians 3 verse 20 from the Message Bible. And just take this to heart today. It's a promise for you and I. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine, guess, or request in your wildest wildest dreams. He doesn't do it by pushing us around, but by working in us. He does it by working in us by His Spirit, deeply, gently working within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God through the Messiah in Jesus. Glory down through all generations. Glory through all the millennial. You see, God wants to work and reveal his glory through your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you. Whatever we're facing in our lives today, we surrender it to you. We thank you, Lord, that you are working in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your peace and your joy that is working in us. And we rest in the confidence today that your grace will accelerate us. You will sustain us and you will be our portion. Now, if you're here today, you never made Jesus Lord of your life and you want to be saved, you want to give your life to Christ, you want to surrender to Christ, just raise your hand wherever you are so that I know I need to pray for you. Is there someone today you want to make Jesus Lord of your life? Perhaps you're online today and you're watching this from wherever you are and you want to be saved, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, it will be the most joyful and wonderful decision you ever make. Just pray this prayer out loud with me. Repeat it and be sincere in your heart. Father God, let's pray together, church. Father God, I believe today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for my sin, and that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. I receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer online, please send us an email or a WhatsApp that's appearing on your screen right now. We'd love to hear from you, connect with you, and help you as you journey into your sonship or daughtership in the kingdom of God. God bless you. We love you. Church, you can stand. Thank you for being here today. It was so nice to see you. Don't forget, as you leave, you can sow your tithes and your offerings into the offering buckets. There are glasses or jars there for, the, for our car guard fund. And if you need anything... Uh, regarding information from the church, go to our info bar. We love you. Have a beautiful day. And don't forget, grab a coffee before you leave.